This is the Only in Miami show, hosted by Grant Stern. Tonight's show is underwritten by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. Morningside Mortgage Corporation keeps the Only in Miami show commercial-free. You can find them online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. Well, if you're driving, kick off those shoes, relax. We've got a great show in store for you. In studio during the top half of the 7 o'clock hour, we've got with us Florida State Representative Jose Javier Rodriguez. He is the representative for the district in Coconut Grove in downtown Miami. He'll be with us the beginning of the top of the hour. Then we have Rebecca Monson calling in from Code for America with her Miami Open Data Policy politician. She's a uh, p- uh, p- petition, excuse me. She's going to be calling in at about 7.25. Then in the back half of the 7 o'clock hour, we have Omar Rivero. He runs a website, a national political website called OccupyDemocrats.com and also was a Democratic candidate for the Florida legislature in South Dade this past year. And he'll be here in the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour. So stay tuned. We've got a really, really exciting show for you tonight. And this is the brief moment in time where I get a couple of minutes to talk to you, the audience, directly about issues of importance that affect everyone in South Florida and oftentimes beyond. And today I'd like to talk about Florida Sugar because they're a very, very large state interest And there's a very large issue going on with that interest. Namely, the state of Florida negotiated contract options to purchase land for Florida Everglades restoration. Uh, They were negotiated, actually, by Charlie Crist's administration uh, during, you know, when he was still a Republican governor. Uh, Now there's a funding mechanism in place. There's actually money allocated by the voters to go and buy up some of this land, and it was called Amendment 1. It passed with more than 70% of the vote in Florida in 2014, closer to 75, and it allocates money from property tax revenues, I'm sorry, deed tax revenues, that is dedicated and lasts for quite a long time, sufficient to purchase this one piece of land, to close on this one transaction, which, if it's not exercised, will be probably gone forever or at a much steeper price. And this is an issue that if you're interested in Florida politics and state politics, you should be speaking with your representative and asking them their position on using Amendment 1 funds to purchase the U.S. sugar lands that are available only until, I think it's October of this year. And Uh, You should contact your state representatives. They ended the session three days early, so they've got plenty of time on their hands. And if you care about conservation, those 75% of you who voted for this constitutional amendment 
to make sure that Florida has sustainable ecology and drinking water, I urge you to contact your state representatives and find out what their position is and why and tell them that they should vote in favor of Florida's ecology and make sure that funds are appropriated in that next budget that we're not going to see until a special session is held because, again, they ended the legislative session three days early and have plenty of time to hear your concerns. We'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thanks for joining us tonight. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We're here with Jose Javier Rodriguez, state representative in Florida. Thanks for joining us tonight, Jose. Listen, thanks for inviting me and uh, putting some attention on these issues in Tallahassee, 500 miles away. Uh, a lot of a lot of bad things happen in Tallahassee and people get away with murder. It's good to, to have some coverage. Yeah, I, you know, it's 500 miles north of the border, and some would say it's north of the next border even. <laughs> uh, so, so let's start talking about this because from the point of ending early without a budget, the Florida legislature has been an unusual uh, body this year. So let's let's get your perspective on this. Absolutely. So maybe I'll, I'll just let people know what, what, what happened last week, because I think a lot of people may not know. And and to, to press rewind a little bit, uh, it all comes back to Obamacare. So Obamacare, to simplify it for people, uh, part of the idea was that there'd be more money available to cover low-income working people with health care through the Medicaid program. Okay. So there'd be money coming in, give people insurance. At the same time, uh, su- massive subsidies that are already in place and still in place would go away. So our public hospitals would not have to have these massive federal subsidies. And so basically Obama takes with one hand and gives with the other, basically is the way it happens. And the federal okay. government has extended uh, the subsidies for a while. 
Uh, but, but now they're going to end. The, the subsidies are ending, exactly. Right. And, and, and the state has known this for a while, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, nobody, there's no illusion. And again, it's been extended. So this was supposed to go away with Obamacare when it was first passed. It kept being extended, extended, in part because the Florida legislature, specifically the Republican majority in the House of Representatives, was, was completely blocking a bipartisan Senate plan that would have brought those federal dollars back to Florida in a way that Republicans were fine with, Democrats were fine with, but Republican leadership in the House of Representatives completely blocked. Fast forward to this year, which, as you so say— So that's the, last year's why we didn't get federal funding. Oh, two so years this ago. Year, two, yeah. Oh, oh, two yeah. years ago. And so this year— So so this year, the, the federal government's deadline is a hard deadline, right? So right. June June 30th, uh, you know, the, 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 the subsidies are, are done, right? We're so talking we, about, like, $2 billion? Yeah. Exactly. So almost $2 billion of subsidies for uncompensated care. And again, the whole reason we need uncompensated care uh, subsidies is because people don't have insurance. And the whole idea of Obamacare, as flawed as it is, is that people have insurance in one way or the other, except for undocumented people. Um, But, you know, there's ways to make up for that in other sources of funding. So anyway, the point is that the the Senate and and, and the pretty much the entire Senate, the Democrats in the House... Uh, and a lot of Republicans quietly in, in, the, in the majority of the House of Representatives were, were basically advocating for the Senate's plan, which is take the money, do a Florida plan, quote unquote. And the Senate has all kinds of different things they want to do with it that sound very Republican. But I'm totally fine with it. A lot of other Democrats are fine with it. So this would involve accepting the, the state money that we've been giving back for years. And if we don't do it, we're going to lose $2 billion. Yeah, it's our federal tax money, right? Because that money is going away. It's just sunsetting. It's gone. Exactly. And we're exactly. already a net payer, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. And for the last two years, we've been giving away $5 billion because we haven't accepted these Medicaid funds. So basically, when Florida votes Republican, it's like a subsidy to every other state of $5 billion a year? I mean, that may be one thing that you're voting for when you're, I mean it's it, just it, it's, yeah. it, people well, don't think of, of it that way I mean but that's that's what's resulted and, there's there's a, su- a majority in both houses right yeah yeah so so here's the thing and, and I they have I, the governor's seat I don't want to paint it with too broad a brush right because there are plenty of Republicans who see this as madness and okay like the Senate right and and a lot of my colleagues in the house and so what happened last week was that you know session was supposed to end on Friday of last week we have a 60-day legislative session. By the Constitution, we, you know, that's how it works, and we, the one thing that we're required to do is pass a budget. Well, because of this impasse, the president of the Senate and the, uh, the, the leadership in the House, the Speaker and the Appropriations Chair, were not even talking. They weren't even negotiating over the budget for the last couple of weeks. Complete impasse, so that on Tuesday morning, so Republicans, Democrat alike, were working our bills in the chamber it, you know, it's pretty pretty frenetic and busy. All of a sudden, there's a quorum call, which means we got to go find our seats. Something's happening. Speaker gets up and says, we're going home. Peace. See ya. Uh, you know, basically <laughs> wow. saying, yeah, it, basically, like, it really was that quick. Um, it was a surprise to almost all the rank and file Republicans to the extent that they're freaking out as much as we are because all our bills are dead at that point if they have not passed and they don't have a prayer of passing identically in the Senate. So, for example, prison reform reforms dealing with disabled children, uh, and very importantly, Amendment 1, right? Amendment 1, which you were just discussing in terms of, try, you know, what the voters decided was 75% said we want to use certain point, certain part of real estate taxes 
to go to preserving our natural areas and our drinking supply. And they failed to allocate any money for conservation from Amendment 1, which means they're not following our new constitutional amendment there, huh? Correct, yeah. And we don't have a budget. We don't have a budget. The one thing that we're supposed to have, we are now, as you said, going to have a special session. So we're going to go... So, you know, we So how often does this happen? The, the Republicans have had a majority in both houses for about what, 15 years now? Yeah. So, yeah, since the 90s. So, it in the in the Senate, they the Republicans have a majority. In the House of Representatives, it's a supermajority, right? So it's a so a lot of rules don't apply. So basically, Republicans can do almost whatever they want within certain limits. And then of course, as people know, all the cabinet officers and the governor is Republican. So it's a super supermajority. Even though, you know, Florida is has voted for Obama twice, it's it's a moderate state uh, because of gerrymandering and a, a bunch of other aspects. That's the political environment that we have. And because of the way our primary system works, uh, you know, you have an incentive for Democrats to be super Democrat when they're in safe seats and because of gerrymandering, too, and Republicans to be super, super Republican and, and, and pander to the right when they're in safe Republican seats. And the very few of us who are in moderate seats and have the benefit of being able to communicate through our entire electorate, you know, that, that so it, it creates it's it, it's it a, creates a very polarized situation yeah. where the, the the favor is all towards the incumbent. Mostly it's it's very much easier to be an incumbent in these seats. Um, I was just uh, speaking with a friend about like fundraising and money in politics. And, and he ran for a, a Florida legislative office. Uh, Omar Rivera He's going to be calling the show a bit later. And he spent $14,000. He won 42% of the vote. His opponent uh, spent $370,000. Wow. <laughs> I mean, $370,000. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, mean, when you just sit there and count like how much that is per vote, it's, uh, it's a little terrifying for somebody who wants to just dip their toes in and, and get involved. No, absolutely. It's a huge barrier to entry, the, the money in politics and, and, and honestly, the party system as well. Uh, that, you know, for, for a lot of people, um, they don't sort of they don't see the Republican or the Democratic Party entirely representing what their viewpoints are. And it's extremely difficult in that environment, too. Well, that's that's partly a result of having nonpartisan uh, local elections, which I don't think necessarily benefits people in the way that they were hoping. Uh, you know, it's nonpartisan. The, the the parties are allowed to get involved in the local elections, but they're not. You know, candidates cannot electioneer as being from one party or another. There's all these restrictions, and it makes it more difficult for new candidates because yep, that's true. You know, once you're in it, oh well, you got this circle and. You know, you're deciding things and, oh, gosh, it's a lot easier to, you know, collect a donation that way. Awesome. But but let's let's turn topics to something that I really wanted to speak to you about because you've been the most involved. And it's it's definitely when you talk about third rails in Florida politics, it's electric. <laughs> it's it's FPL. Yeah. <laughs> and and believe me, I, I did a, a contractor job for FPL in web design like 15 years ago. And I know how dysfunctional and weird they are. <laughs> I mean, they are they're an odd, odd organization outside of the people that are, you know, just like making sure you still have power every day. Um, you know, the people that are working on the lines and stuff, they're very serious professionals outside of that. It's a different story. But tell me about your experience with FPL, because you've been you've been in a fight with them. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll say by let's start by saying that. Uh, I absolutely have been the most involved when you look at state officials with FPNL, but by no means. I mean, I think there are. Oh, locally, there's a few. Yes. Uh, mayors. And, My mayor, and, uh, and, Tomas Regalado, yeah. 
uh, Phil Stoddard and, mm-hmm. and Mayor Lerner. I, I think anybody who's been paying attention to those issues, you probably learned about it from one of them, if if um, if, if at all. Uh, and so it's interesting when you say the, the, the strangeness of FPNL, and I want to focus on state policy that I think contributes to that. A lot of people may not know this. There's something called the Advanced Nuclear Cost Recovery Fee. So in 2006, uh, as an effort to stimulate nuclear, which I don't know why, nuclear, excuse me, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> like uh, uh, W. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so the as a part of trying to stimulate it, the legislature basically created uh, a tax. It's a fee that FPNL charges us, but they charge but, us. But we're a captive audience. We're so a captive. It's a tax. Yeah, we, yeah, we 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 can't go. We can't say, oh, I don't want to pay the, the the fee. And what the fee goes to is all of FPNL's costs for pursuing nuclear, right? Whether it's uh, purchasing land and easements, whether it's legal fees and all these things, they don't actually have to ever pay that back if they don't build a nuclear power plant. So they have a, an interest in spending as much time, as much money of our money as possible in pursuing a nuclear power plant. And so they're expanding, they're trying to expand Turkey Point. And what's really important for people to know is that the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission has not yet granted FPNL uh, its license to expand the nuclear capacity at Turkey Point. So and, so in other words they're fishing without a license right now but we're paying the bill, huh? Yeah. And and if if <laughs> and, and people have an opportunity to comment to officially comment to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, I'll give you the the num- phone number from my office because uh, it's not quite that easy to you know to navigate and we can kind of help explain if someone wants to submit a formal comment uh, until May 22nd you have it's 305-854-0365. Uh, Luisana is the staff person who works with me, and, and she can kind of walk you through how to submit a, a comment. And the, the, the reasons why a lot of people are submitting comments and opposing uh, the expansion vary a lot. But it, it comes down to uh, safety issues uh, and resource issues. It's simply too expensive. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tweet that. And we're going to read it to our audience one more time. If you want to submit a comment about FPL's plans to expand their nuclear operations in Turkey Point, you call 305-854-0365. Well, if you want instructions on how to do it, that's my office number. <laughs> but listen, so, if you want to well, do it, you need the instructions. Perfect. Definitely call, perfect. Please. Uh, call Jose's office Please number, and I'm going to tweet that at Grant Stern, and we'll share it. On at 880thebiz, if you uh, get off the road and want to find out a lot more. And uh, and we also actually, let's take this opportunity to share your Twitter account. It's Jose Javier JJR. So J-O-S-E-J-A-V-I-E-R JJR. Okay, so we're, we're here with State Representative Jose Javier Rodriguez. We're talking about the FPL nuclear regulatory issues we have in the state. Now, the biggest effect that I think anybody is going to be uh, noticing if all of these plans go through, is FPL's plan to put gigantic electricity, like high electric towers, all along US-1. Absolutely, yeah. What would that do to that stretch of road, and why is it being forced down our throats? Well, as part of the expansion at Turkey Point, FPNL is planning these gigantic distribution lines, 105 feet tall. These things are massive. When you see a picture of them and there's somebody standing at the base, 
you, you have to actually you don't really realize someone's standing at that base at the base. They're so big. So there's two lines of them that are supposed to go from Turkey Point, which is you know as people know way down south, all the way to downtown. One of them cuts through well originally it cut through Everglades National Park. If you can believe it, that was their plan. We'll just cut through Everglades National Park. Sure, why not? No biggie. <laughs> Uh, since then, they've backed off of that, and that's been amended. Uh, but the eastern corridor basically uh, jumps onto US-1 in Pinecrest and would run all along US-1 all the way uh, to downtown. So it cuts my district in half, right, you know, uh, in, including, you know, Little Havana, Coconut Grove, and Brickell. Um, so it, it, I mean, you know, how tall is the metro rail? Like 50 feet tall? Uh, I don't. I don't even know if it's that that tall. Yeah. So so, so it would be like towering over the metro rail. But I mean, I mean, you just see wires everywhere you go, all the way down US one. Yeah. And so you know, people talk about the opportunity costs. Uh, some people assert. I don't know this for sure, but some people assert that these things aren't actually built to code. When they when they actually look at them, we have a South Florida building code, hurricane code. They don't actually match code, which is insane. Why you'd build something like that? Anyway. The, yeah, the, that's really brilliant. <laughs> One of the main focal points for people to realize how this is going to affect their day-to-day -day life is if you've heard of the underlying, which is a fantastic plan that a lot of people have been uh, putting together. So it's, a, it's a partnership with a lot of different private and public groups to turn the uh, basically the empath, which is the part just north of US-1, where that metro rail is in you know, City of Miami and, and, and Coral Gables area, to turn that into a linear park. Uh, to turn right, that the into underline. Use, the underline, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this would like kind of blot out the sun from the underline or just yeah, that's the expose fear. it all to a lot of electromagnetism. And I mean, you know, like these things ran through my old neighborhood in Southwest Dade when I was growing up. There's no houses under them. <laughs> you know, not, they're, they're just they're usually just giant fields. Yeah. And 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 that's the kind of distribution lines. Uh, I'm sorry, not distribution lines, transmission lines. And that's important, too, because. When you say transmission lines, they could be selling this power to Georgia, right? So it's cutting through our community, having impact on property values, quality of life, all these things. And it's not even for us. It could potentially be to sell it somewhere else. And why not bury these lines? I mean, I, I grew up in a neighborhood with buried power lines, um, and it was built in uh, the 1960s. Yeah, so <laughs> the cost to bury them, according to FPNL, is several million dollars per mile. And one of the big fights is... So on the one hand, if you all remember, a couple minutes ago I explained that we pay FBNL ahead of time for the costs of this nuclear expansion, right? So it, uh, this year it's going to be uh, over 14 million. Last year it's over 45 million, and in 2013 it was over 151 million dollars that they collected ahead of time from us. So why we should, why our own cities should be, uh, should have to shoulder the cost of burying the lines, which is FBNL's uh, position. It makes absolutely no sense. And again, and we're paying them to do all of this, and then we're going to have to pay them to buy the power. Correct. And we're paying them to potentially sell this power in Georgia, right? I mean, that that's potentially what we could be doing. Well, at what point do we have to sit down and say that our power system is now broken? And that doesn't mean to privatize it, but it means to restructure it. How how can we restructure what's going on? Because there's such an influential player in uh, in, in money in politics. I mean, FPL is the, the 800-pound gorilla in that legislature that didn't write a budget this year. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that's very interesting for people who follow changes in energy policy is what's happening in Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii has, has, has been forced to take a very different approach to how power is distributed and generated, right? So 
a lot of people have solar panels are able like they're now able to sell it back to the grid and it's it it's completely changed how it works what's very interesting and i don't know think a lot of people know fpnl's power uh, parent company recently purchased that company right so here in florida we have this arcane monopoly model right and in hawaii we have a completely different model so it's kind of a tacit acknowledgement by the parent company of fpnl that our model is probably not the way to go in the future. They're kind of hedging their bets on this wow. <laughs> on, on this double down on nuclear, have everything really centralized, no solar, no distributed no distributed well, that, generation. I mean, that's the other side of the equation. Like they got a lot of regulatory decisions. Let's talk about this. There there's some regulatory deciding going on that uh, you know, made solar less less of an option in Florida. In fact, they got rid of almost all of the benefits. Uh, being paid to consumers for adopting solar. What what happened? Well, one of the great things when you talk about deciding is that we get to decide as voters in 2016 uh, an amendment which I think has a lot of potential to change things, right? So as it is right now, for example, I hear from a lot of businesses in my district uh, that, for example, they have a parking lot, you know, which is an adjacent building, right? They want to throw uh, solar panels up on that, and if they generate excess power, they want they to be able to sell it they back want to, be to the able grid. To, no, they want to be able to sell it to their neighbors, okay. but they have to sell it back to the grid for pennies on the dollar, and then FPNL turns around and sells it for you know uh, market rate, which is their 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 tariff. Right. So what what this what this amendment uh, what this amendment to our constitution would do is it would totally undo that. Right. It meant that you could you could distribute. What's it going to be called? Do you know yet? Uh, Floridians for Solar Choice. Floridians for Solar Choice. And they also have that as a handle, I think. Oh, really? Oh, I'll have to find that. Yeah. But I'm just going to post it onto Twitter again. Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, uh, you check it out at, at Grant Stern or at Only in Miami Show. And you can find out more about them at FL Solar Choice. That's FL Solar Choice. Um, so, yeah, let's see here. Uh, FL Solar Choice is the one. You guys should definitely check that out when you get home. Um, it's just so right now people are forced to sell sell to the grid or sell to FPL at a discount, right? A gigantic discount, a discount that discourages investment, because a lot of the you know, like I said, a lot of these businesses that I talk to, a lot of these investors just turn away. I mean, they when, once they realize the regulatory environment that they're in, they say forget it. Oh wow! Well, I'll tell you, this is the kind of thing that our listeners love to hear about. Because I don't think anybody here has been discussing a, an amendment to make fair solar electricity practices uh, constitutionally required. Now, obviously, getting those guys to enforce the Constitution is another story. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's wrap up with the, the fair districting amendment, because I know that that's been fought over, fought over again, and fought over yet again. Um, it's a, a constitutional amendment that was passed, what, in 2008 now? Passed quite a while yeah, ago. Yeah, 2008, I think. Yeah, and and it's been fought in the the state legislature ever since, and it requires to ungerrymandering of districts in Florida for our federal house, but the districts are set by the state house. Has there been any progress on that at all in this past session? Yeah, I I think it may have been 2010. But so what it was is two, it was a pair of amendments: one for federal races, one, one for federal districts, and one for state districts, and. You know, it requires the kind of things that you, you know, if you sat in a room and you thought, hey, what what would be some good principles to draw districts, right? You'd be like, well, respecting county lines, trying to make it contiguous and all these kind of crazy words. Um, but 
when you get into the weeds and you look at how all these federal laws apply, how data and mapping can be manipulated and all these things, um, I actually, you know, when, when the courts threw out our maps and we had to go back up to Tallahassee to redraw a couple of them, uh, I was actually on, on the committee that was dealing with this. And it's, it's really interesting because the, the, the standards are so complicated, it's so difficult, I honestly think that we really need to look at completely different solutions. In some places, they have an independent commission that just does it. Having the legislature draw their own districts is pretty it, seriously flawed. It, and it's I, an inherent conflict of interest. I mean, you are deciding your own fate on behalf of the public who is paying for this. Exactly right. And and you, you see how it plays out. You know, the laws are so complicated. It's not just the amendment. It's the, you know, the Voting Rights Act and civil rights issues and all this long, complicated history of each community that you have to dig into and have to look at it. Basically, you know, I, I'm an attorney. You can get an attorney to tell you anything is legal when it comes to those that that level of complicated standards. And as many times as I can, I and my colleagues call them out for it on the House floor. You know, it, it, if it doesn't, you know, if their argument stands up in court, that's that. So again, I think we we go. You know, uh, fair districts definitely did have a positive impact. I can tell you that. It's just it can't go far enough when it's still in the hands of the legislature. Gotcha. Well, Jose, again, give your audience some contact information so they can call your office if they'd like to leave a comment about FPL's nuclear plans, because I know it takes instructions. Yeah. What's the phone number so one more time? So just to be absolutely clear, you cannot leave a comment for FPL with me. But you'll get the instructions uh, from you your call, office. But if you call, we can give you instructions on how to submit an official written comment that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission at the federal level has to read, has to listen to. Somebody will actually read it at the federal government who is in charge of regulating the safety of our nuclear power plants, which is great. 305-854-0365. And one more time, where can our audience find you on Twitter? Uh, my uh, handle on Twitter is Jose Javier JJR. And do you have a website that we should direct them to as well? No, I, th I think the Twitter is the best way to, 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 to find me. Uh, you, can, uh, you can Google me and... Uh, uh, You'll, you'll find my contact information is uh, jose.rodriguez at myfloridahouse.gov. That is not a real estate website. That is the official <laughs> website of the House of Representatives, myfloridahouse.gov, jose.rodriguez. Well, thanks for coming from your Florida house to our Miami house <laughs> for, for this Only discussion. in Florida, right? Only in Miami. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you coming in because there's been a lot going on in the last 60 days in Tallahassee. Uh, it's always murky down here, and then all of a sudden they take a break, and we find out what what hath happened. <laughs> mm. Scary, <laughs> scary sometimes. Just scary. And it ain't over yet. Right, it ain't over yet. They're going to be back, and uh, I, I surmise that you guys are going to be legislating through the summer, huh? With well, a deadline in June thirtieth. Well, we're 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 slated to be in Tallahassee for three weeks in June. Oh man, you're going to enjoy that. It's nice and warm. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, Jose, thank you for coming on the program. We're going to take a really short break, and we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiamishow.com. We're live with Omar Rivero, the founder and operator of OccupyDemocrats.com. Omar, thanks for calling in tonight. Hey, Grant. Thank you so much for having me. So tell our audience a little bit about OccupyDemocrats.com. So we are a large uh, national grassroots organization with over 500,000 followers, half a million followers on Facebook. Uh, we were founded two years ago. We're also a progressive news website with over 5 million page views every single month where we write uh, topical news and opinion pieces. Basically, we support uh, the general ideas and tenets of the Occupy movement, so we cover such uh, key issues as middle, uh, middle class issues, social economic inequality, financial regulations, consumer protection, etc. And we also support President Obama, the Democratic Party, and the Democratic leadership and see them as the best way to move the ideals and issues that are dear to the Occupy movement forward uh, in the legislative, in the Congress. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues that, that we've spoken about recently, and, and one of the ones that we've been talking about on the show, and I wanted to bring up with you first, is sure. the, uh, the Florida, the U.S. sugar uh, and Florida state lands issue. Um, it's something I commented on at the top of the show as well. Um, so the basic gist is that the state of Florida has a contract option to buy some land for conservation from U.S. sugar. You want to take it from there? Sure. Um, basically, the voters of Florida voted for Amendment 1 last November by an overwhelming majority, over 75% of Florida residents who voted, voted in support of Amendment 1, which would provide the money necessary in order to carry out the end of a contract that is intended, well, it was signed between the sugar industries, which Big Sugar, which owns a part on the southern end of Lake Okeechobee, to sell that land to preserve to the state so that we can preserve the Everglades and preserve our cleaning waters, our water supply. Basically, we're going to buy the land on the southern tip and use that land as a sanctuary for polluted water, water that has toxic runoff. Basically, it's water that's filled with phosphorus and hold that land and clean that land and not send it down to, uh, out of two rivers, uh, St. Lucie and the other one has a very complicated name, um, down into the Everglades, which is destroying the ecosystem. It's killing animals. It's polluting not just the Everglades, but our entire uh, water supply. Um, and it's also contributing to global warming. So, <laughs> so, so, how can we as citizens fight back in this circumstance? Where, where can we get involved? Because you're writing about this on your national website. This is not just a state issue. Yeah, I mean, basically, what we could do right now, it's up to the legislature, and more specifically, Republicans in the legislature. So, the deal has already been signed. All they need to do is appropriate the funds. The funds are there. They just need to be appropriated through the legislative process. And of course, Big Sugar, which has a stronghold on the entire Florida GOP, down from the governor, I mean, all the way from the, the, uh, from the top, from Governor Rick Scott, which is heavily funded by Big Sugar, all the way down to the bottom. So state representatives um, in the House and Senate that are refusing, basically they're kicking the can down the road because they know that the deal expires in October. 
So if they muddy the water and they shuffle their feet and not get anything done, Big Sugar wins. They can continue polluting uh, Lake Okeechobee. They can continue polluting the Everglades and to making a profit off of a national treasure. So, uh, so what are you? What kind of articles are you guys writing about? Are you guys helping people get involved and reach out to the Congress, uh, the Florida legislators, the yes. guys who have three days off early this year? <laughs> yeah. Well, they gave themselves three days off early. Basically, what we're doing is every every single piece and every single graphic. We're we're mostly focusing on graphics. Okay. Um, every single one of them has a call to action to sign petitions and call. Their local legislators. We have information on the on the websites um, that will send them to their, you know, either the, the email address of their local legislator or the phone number for their office. And the only thing the people can do is pressure their legislatures because uh, the Democrats in the Florida legislature have tried everything they can do. The environmental groups have tried everything they can do, but unfortunately, Big Sugar owns the Florida Republican Party. I mean, they've they've made a big investment. In, in the form of campaign contributions, and they're expecting to get paid back, and they are being paid back. So unless we can put enough public pressure on these Florida Republicans to do the right thing and do what the residents of Florida, their constituents, actually voted for them overwhelmingly with Amendment 1 last November, um, we're not going to see much progress on this front until we can do that. So it's going to take a lot of people power. That's what you're saying. Yes. A basically lot, a lot of hand sitting di dialing on phones and emails yeah. and visits visits are good right yeah and and that's what we do on occupy democrats i mean we we work hard to change the hearts and minds of people and educate them about these issues and we you know we reach millions of people a day over i think we reached over 16 million people this week alone and we try to mobilize folks around these issues because we're being outspent i mean we don't have uh, billions of dollars from the Koch brothers so all we could do is try to reach as many people as possible, get them fired up, and put pressure on their legislative um, officials. Okay, so let's let's turn to something else that's been a national uh, headline, but also a really serious problem, and that is policing, uh, the Freddie Gray issue. You guys have been covering it. What kind of stories have you guys been writing about Freddie Gray and the protests in Baltimore? Well... It's a tough issue, you know, on, on both sides have legitimate points. Uh, of course, there's tragedies where not just Freddie Gray, but, you know, with Ferguson last year and in New York, um, these are become, these are isolated cases of police abuse, but they are becoming more of a national problem. I don't know if that's because of the proliferation of social media and technology where we can film these things. Or if, or, if there, or if there really is um, kind of, a, I guess, a, an undercurrent of racism within police departments, whether conscious or unconscious. Now, well, the way... You know, the, the biggest problem isn't racism in police yeah. departments. It's just not following the law. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a big problem government-wide. You have government officials that don't follow the law, and the only thing you can do as a citizen is sue. Exactly. So we're not taking, you know, we're not, we're not a police accountability organization. We're a political organization. So we're not, you know, we're, we're letting, you know, such organizations that do great work, such as one of your organizations, Photography is Not a Crime, and other police accountability websites and organizations 
take the lead on that front. What we're working on is the economic message and the economic conditions that is leading these youths, and not just black youths, but minority youths and urban youths, to feel like you know, they're, they have no power. They're being disenfranchised by the system. They're being stripped of economic opportunity and have no choice but to turn to crimes, to drugs. Um, and in fact, their types of crimes and, and the types of crimes that they do and the types of illegal activities that they do to, to make ends meet are specifically the kinds of things that are being the most heavily targeted by the police force. So as President Obama has made the point, this is, this is an overarching issue that's going to take, um, it's not just the police's fault, it's not just Baltimore's fault, it's America that has failed our inner city youth. And we need to work together to create the economic conditions that will lead these youth to feel empowered, to get an education, to get out there and get a good job and not turn to the streets, which is their only option. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a great point. Everybody should go check out www.occupydemocrats.com. We've got Omar Rivera with us for another 10, 12 minutes, but we're going to take a really short break. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We are live with Omar Rivero of OccupyDemocrats.com. Omar, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the program. Thanks for having me. So, Omar, let's talk about presidential politics in 2013. More specifically, the Democratic primary, a second candidate has declared. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton has thrown her hat in the ring. And now Bernie Sanders has thrown his hat in the ring as a Democrat. Let's talk about the two. Uh, we're actually very excited on Occupy Democrats. Uh, everybody's pining for us to endorse one of the two. And okay. actually, you know, folks are still hoping that Elizabeth Warren has something up her sleeve and uh, up her sleeve and throws her hat in the in the ring at the last minute. Um, they want us to. Some want us to endorse Hillary. Some are more on the left, and they want us to go with Bernie Sanders. Um, we're actually excited to hype both of them up and um, accentuate their platforms, which are both very liberal and very populist. We're surprised by Hillary Clinton's tone in the first week of her coming out. 
she is of course we've we've all we've always known that she's pro gay rights but we didn't know that she was so against um you know citizens united she asked she actually she volunteered without even really being asked about citizens united or the role of dark uh, money in our or in our campaign finance system she volunteered that she supports a constitutional amendment to overturn citizens united and ban big money in politics that would be a really big deal. And just just for our audience to to explain a little bit about Citizens United, it's a, a Supreme Court decision that really kicked open the doors to much bigger money being pumped into our political system by creating these super PACs and charitable funds that don't have to tell anybody who's donating to them, but they can use their funds to electioneer. Exactly. Um, it happened right as President Obama got elected in 2008. The Supreme Court took up this case. It was, uh, it was decided, of course, on a party-line basis with five Republicans to four Democrats. Um, and it basically ruined our, well, our, financial, our campaign finance system was pretty bad before. Uh, this, was the last, um, this was the last straw. And now any, anybody, whether it's corporations or people, can donate unlimited amounts of money, undisclosed and unlimited amounts, uh, to political campaigns. And you know, a lot of people assume that Hillary Clinton is a Wall Street Democrat, that she's beholden to financial interests. But this actually shows, I mean, this is a really big deal for you to overturn Citizens United. I think the corporations will scream bloody murder. I mean, Republicans definitely would. So this draws a, a stark a stark contrast between herself and Republicans and aligns herself with more populist candidates such as Bernie Sanders. So let's talk about Bernie Sanders because he's been doing something very exciting on the grassroots level, which is uh, basically saying he will not accept super PAC money or you know he will not solicit billionaires for campaign mm -hmm. finance. He wants only donations from normal people. How's that working Should out? Um, it's working out really well for him so far. I mean, I think he raised like $1.4 million in the first 24 hours. Um, it's a very noble goal. It's a very valiant, um, uh, thing for him to try to, to attempt, but well, that, he's that's going, an awful lot of money, a million and a half dollars in your first day. Yeah, it, it is a lot. And ho hopefully he'd get more and it's not just, uh, you know, like an initial boost. Um, but he's going to need to raise more money. Uh, down the campaign if he wants to really give Hillary Clinton a run for her money and you know some folks that are pragmatic although we don't agree with Citizens United or and our system of dark money campaign finance um, in order f for us to just simply say well we're not going to accept that money um, it could be viewed as a weakness because you're unilaterally disarming um, in the general election, that would absolutely would not work against Republicans. President Obama was able to beat them in 2008 because he had enough, he had he matched them with as much money. I think he actually raised a little bit more than Republicans. In 2012, they raised a lot more than him. Uh, he was able to beat them just because Mitt Romney was so bad and President Obama was such a good candidate. But for 2016 and beyond, it doesn't bode well for Democrats that billionaires and millionaires are able to purchase Republicans. And basically mount PR, you know, these monumental PR campaigns against Democrats that they don't like and not have to dis disclose who they are in these campaign ads. So uh, how would you rate Bernie's platform? How similar or different is he from Hillary? I mean, where where are the fault lines here? 
I think those fault lines were much easier to discern before this week. This week kind of uh, kind of confused a lot of liberals. Um, I think the biggest difference is in the fact that Bernie Sanders wants to break up the big banks. Now, Hillary Clinton, you know, as liberal as, as she pretends to be or as liberal as she is, she's not that liberal. Um, the only two people that I've ever heard advocate for that are Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders really means it. If he became president, he would try to break up the big banks. And it's something that we need because the big banks are even bigger now than they were. They're, in terms of financial assets, they're almost, they're almost twice as big as they were uh, during, in, in, during the peak of the financial crisis. Um, they, ha they have a stranglehold on our government. Uh, they still have a lot of risky liabilities on their balance sheets. And I think they're terrified of a Bernie Sanders presidency, which might bode well. Uh, if this is a very populist uh, sort of election. It, you know, it's really, there's so much time to go. I mean, we're talking yeah. about like uh, 20 months until there's an election. So anything yeah. could happen between now and then. I mean, anything. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, and it, in, in presidential politics, they talk about the October surprise. That's sure. next October. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I think right now Democrats are in, are in a really, really good position where Republicans... The clown car just keeps getting bigger and bigger every day. I mean, Burke Carson, uh, Carson jumped in today. Carly Fiorina jumped in. I mean, it's like it's you know, there's it's a double decker clown car at this point. Well, hey man, come on. Carly has a great point. Okay, if she can run HP into the ground, she could run America into the <laughs> ground too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She is. Uh, I don't, I don't think she's as much of a serious candidate. But I, I, honestly, I don't think there's about twenty of them. I don't think. You can't put them all together and make one Hillary or one Bernie Sanders. So Well, I, I we, saw we, Ben Carson on CNN. He had a really great point about Freddie Gray. He said that the Baltimore Police Department were the greatest people he'd ever known. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it makes you, it, it makes you literally shake your head. Literally. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to understand how somebody that is, who is clearly very smart, you know, can be so dumb. So maybe he's purposely ignorant. Maybe he's pandering to the... Tea Party extremists. Maybe he's just trying to promote his new book. You know, who knows? But we have two very solid candidates on the left. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are both stalwarts. Um, they're very serious people with complex solutions to the complex issues that are faced by America. Well, Republicans, the only thing that they could agree on is that they're all anti-choice and they all want to give more tax cuts to the rich. Even though President Clinton, I mean President Bush, did the biggest experiment in history. Uh, with trickle down economics, and he cut the he cut the tax rate for the rich incredibly. And what did we get from that? Record budget, uh, record budget deficits, record job losses, and it's incredible that here we are, eight years later, with President Obama and the Democratic Party's help, and, and a lot of hard work to, of the American people, we've been able to s scrape ourselves back and get ourselves back on our feet. And would the Republicans want the keys to the car back so they can drive it into the ditch once again? Yeah, that's it's a pretty scary thought. So where can our audience where it is? It is a scary thought. I mean, we saw what happened eight years of driving it into the ditch. And and here we are not yet eight years out. We're almost, you know, doing OK. I mean, there's still s systemic issues in our country. Like, Absolutely. You know, like, uh, you know, housing is still a problem with the big banks. I mean, you, you mentioned a lot. Yeah. of them. So where can our audience tune in and find out more? from your website, Omar? 
Um, well, our biggest uh, fan base is on Facebook. We have over four, about 470,000 followers and growing very rapidly. So you can go to facebook.com slash Occupy Democrats or just search for Occupy Democrats. Um, I also ran for office last year, so you could, you could find me on omarivero.com um, or Omar Rivero's Facebook page, O-M-A-R, last name R-I-V-E-R-O. And, of course, uh, you mentioned earlier our website, OccupyDemocrats.com, where you can go and get your daily dose of pro-democratic liberal news. Alrighty, check them out at OccupyDemocrats.com. Omar, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the program. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show, hosted by Grant Stern. Tonight's show is underwritten by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. Morningside Mortgage Corporation keeps the Only in Miami show commercial free. You can find them online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. Oh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. And we're here with Casey Rodriguez. She is calling in from the Arts Ballet Theater of Florida. Casey, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. So, what is going on with the Arts Ballet Theater of Florida? Um, well, this year for our Spring Gala, um, Arts Ballet Theater of Florida will be performing two beautiful pieces, um, the Shostakovich Suites and Pensamento. Alrighty. So, uh, how can our audience find out a little bit more about this? When is it going to be taking place? Um, our Spring Gala will be taking place this weekend, May mm -hmm. 9th and May 10th. Um, May 9th at the Aventura Arts and Cultural Center at 7 and on May 10th at Broward Center of the Performing Arts at 5 p.m. So I'm sure there's a ticket involved, right? Yes, there is. The tickets are $30. Okay, where can you find said tickets? Um, for each show, uh, for the Aventure show, you can find the tickets at theaventurecenter.org. All right. And for the Broward Center, you search on browardcenter.org. Now, how long are these performances? You have one ticket and you get actually two different pieces. Um, one ticket, you sit through the whole show. Um, there's a 15-minute uh, intermission. We okay. perform both shows um, on each day. All right. And, and so it's maybe like an hour and a half for the, the whole event, two hours? About an hour and a half, yes. Okay, great. And, um, I mean, what, what inspired Arts Ballet Theater to pick these particular... Uh, pieces over all the other ones out there? Um, well, Shostakovich Suites, um, this piece was choreographed by Maestro Vladimir Asayev, and it's a piece that he's been doing for years, and it's such a beautiful piece. Um, every dance is just so much fun to watch, also with the beautiful music that they have. 
Right. And same thing for Pentimento. Pentimento has such captivating music that it's just so enjoying to watch. And um, by popular demand, actually, we were asked to do Pentimento again this year. Um, we did it last year for our uh, October show in 2013. So, Casey, where did you get your start in ballet? Um, I started with uh, Maestro Vladimir when I was uh, three years old. I am now uh, 19. Okay, so you've been practicing for a little while. Yes. <laughs> And uh, are you in school right now? Where do you go to school? Um, I've graduated. I am okay. now uh, taking college courses online. Okay, great. Well, tell our audience a little bit more about the websites where they can find out more about the Arts Ballet and where they can buy tickets for this weekend. Um, to find out more about Arts Ballet Theater of Florida, our company, they can go on artsballettheater.org. Um, to keep informed of all our shows also, this would be the last show for this season. Um, but we'll start again this October. All and right. then, again, for the tickets um, for the Aventura show, they can find it at org. That's for May 9th at 7. And, and May 9th Flower is Center, this Friday, May 9th, right? This is this Saturday. May okay, 9th. this Saturday, May 9th. And this Sunday, May at 10th. At 7 p.m. And this mm -hmm. Sunday, May 10th at 5 p.m. at the Broward Center, right? Yes. And the Broward Center tickets are at BrowardCenter.org, right? Yes, it is. Alrighty. Well, Casey, thank you very much for joining us on the program tonight. We're going to take you for a having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. We're going to take <laughs> a, li a listen to some of the uh, the Johann Sebastian Bach on the way out. This is some of the music you'll be hearing this weekend. This is the only in Miami show.
back this is the only in miami show and i'm your host grant stern you can find me on twitter at grant stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com itunes podcast soundcloud and a whole lot more and we've got very special guests in the studio tonight our podcast producer and wonderful handyman who helps us with a million things on the show brandon mowry brandon thanks for coming in tonight hey pleasure to be here and, uh, of course, we have the esteemed Darren Bentley in the booth tonight. How are you, sir? And the drastic fanatic is missing. Yeah, missing in action. Huh? Missing in action. He is lost. I guess he got depressed with the Jets draft. <laughs> and Who wouldn't? <laughs> decided to just take a day off. Wow. I don't know, man. What, what can you say? It's, it's Monday. Hey, Brooklyn lost. Oh, that's true. Brooklyn yeah. lost. I mean, you know, where do we start? There's been, been a lot going on in basketball. There's been the the whole NFL draft. I'm, you know what? I'm, I want a show of hands. Draft or or, uh, or basketball? I'm going to go for uh, basketball. We can go basketball. Let's okay, do it. sounds good to me. So that's it. None of the last year's finalists are going to repeat. No, we're going to have a new champion this year. That's a right. new champion. That's right. Well, and 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 I'll say this is what home court advantage does for you sometimes when you have a game seven on your floor instead of on your opponent's floor it makes a difference and when when you have chris paul playing on one leg and able to to still take down the spurs the defending champions i mean it's it, it's really something great game yeah uh, you know what that's what they got from the home court advantage one extra bucket yeah yeah exactly yeah seven games they won yeah. by one bucket with the second left yeah we're talking about the clippers and the spurs great game. Uh, if you're a fan and you missed it Oh, I, man. I feel bad for you. I do, too, man. <laughs> Great game. Yeah. Well, and, of course, the jury's still out on whether uh, Chris Paul will even be able to make it tonight. No, he's not playing. I heard he's not playing tonight. It'll be next game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's tough to give up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're on the road tonight, right? Yeah. Clippers, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing in Houston tonight. Yeah, right. Houston has it, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if there's a game that you want to miss, it's that first it's game the first on the road. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the other team has a good chance of being – a little fired up mm -hmm. well and houston had a lot longer rest too i mean los angeles was just playing you know a couple nights ago so houston at least has 
a couple days that they can get some folks rested, get you know a few of the little minor aches and pains out of the system too. Yeah, they really what they took out Portland, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it, it's fitting since last year. <laughs> yeah. Last year, Dame Lillard hit probably the shot of the playoffs mm-hmm. against those guys. So, I mean, okay, so it's L.A. and Houston in the second round. And on the other side of the bracket, you have the Memphis Grizzlies, who uh, advanced pretty quickly themselves. Right. But is Mike Conley playing tonight? No, they played yesterday. Oh, I, I'm sorry. He tomorrow. tomorrow. He yeah. He missed yesterday. I'm sorry. Is yeah, Mike Conley going to play tomorrow? I don't know. That, his, that his I haven't heard pretty, yet. His eye is pretty bad. Yeah. He broke a bone in his his orbital bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's a tough bone to break. Pretty bad. Yeah. You notice it. Yeah. You definitely notice it. Yeah, like he was in a bad fight and lost. <laughs> yeah. Kind of well, like the one on Saturday night. The yeah. Bad fight, you know. <laughs> oh, that wasn't a fight, man. That was. <laughs> well, that's another story, running around man. the ring or yeah. whatever we call it. But. Yeah, but that's what he does though. Yeah, maybe Mike Conley would have been knocked out in that fight, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're they're playing against the Golden State Warriors, who are still my prohibitive favorite to win it all. Mine too. Well, and, and I would say even more so now that the Spurs are out. I mean, the Spurs had the had the makeup to to really you know give them a run for their money, but now that they're now that they're out, I mean, who else is going to challenge Golden State in the West? Nobody. I mean, they're, 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 there's no team that has that's built to take down anyone like you know w- w- with the firepower that they have there in Golden State. And today, Stephen Curry earned his first MVP right. trophy. Yes, and that's right. deservingly so. Yeah. I mean, did yeah. you guys? Did either of you guys have somebody else number one on your nah, ballot? Not, nah. not really. I mean, James Harden for the for the Rockets. I mean, he he was a pretty good contender, but but in the end, I mean, when you look at what. At what Golden State accomplished throughout the season, I mean, and the number of wins they put together, I mean, it's just amazing where where they were. And That's so, right. you know, Stephen Curry is you know a huge part of that, you know, and, and and the sort of the leader of that whole thing. So let's look at the East bracket for a minute here. Um, in the West, uh, I believe all top four. In fact, both brackets, the the top four advanced, except for Washington. Washington except for Washington, they beat uh, Toronto. Right. So let's start with Washington. You're from the D.C. I'm from, area. I'm from D.C. And, and you know, the funny thing is, when when I lived in D.C., I, I didn't really follow basketball all that much. You know, it, well, back then they didn't have a professional basketball team in D.C. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you, could, you can make that argument that the Bullets were never uh, never really a, a, good, a good team there. And, and when they used to play out there in the Cap Center, I mean, it, it's out in the middle of nowhere. The, 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 the old Cap Center, and it was this dark, dingy building i mean i i went to a couple of games there you know but it, it was it was always a trek to get there and and it just the atmosphere it wasn't it wasn't like what they have now at the at well the they're in booth. chinatown now yeah right but and it's, it's funny all my friends call it the phone booth because the verizon center so they all call it the phone booth now but that's funny yeah <laughs> but uh but no washington i mean taking down toronto four games Four games straight, you know, taking two right off the top there in Toronto and then coming home and, and closing them out. I mean, it, yeah. it, it it's amazing. And, you know, to do it even the other night, taking out, taking down Atlanta in, in the game uh, one, even I, with, you know, losing Bradley Beal and a few other of these of these key players, I mean, they're, they're still able to, to take down the top seed at least once. Yeah, Atlanta beat themselves, though, in that game. Really? Yeah, because the second half, ice cold. Mm. First half, they couldn't miss Anything, everything they threw up at the backboard was going in. Second half, they couldn't hit the side of a barn. Well, that's that's my favorite term there, regression to the mean. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you shoot lights out in the first half, yeah. and then in the second half, it I mean, like, it all balances it they out. They left it all in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and we would see that with the with the heat sometimes. I mean, we we had there towards the end of the season, we had the game with Chicago where I mean, we were like lights out again in the first half and then absolutely fall apart in the second half. And, well, and, I saw and it Chicago, a lot during the way. Big 3 era, but it was always the other team that was regressing because right. what would happen is teams would come out and like give us all they had. You know, yeah. and they go into halftime leading by 3 or 4 points and That's then it would it. all fall apart and, and have yeah. no gas left. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting that the Wizards did is that they became the first team to win four consecutive road game ones in the playoffs. Mm. Interesting. So do you think they have the stones to do it, to knock off the number one seed in the East? I don't think so. Over a seven-game series, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm hoping. I, ju- I just don't <laughs> see it's that okay. happening. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. You know, we will not reject you for cheering for the Wizards hey, because home team. You, you know. know, as as Heat fans, we've like put such a spanking on the teams yeah. in our division. Like we got to cheer for them if they're yeah. left. Well, and and you know, if if they happen to get past Atlanta, I mean, and, and it, it, I would say it's a it's a horribly long shot right now, and and if Cleveland happens to to make it past Chicago, which is another sort of long shot as well right now i mean they're they're down here by five points at halftime um but but if that were to happen as a heat fan you sort of have to root for washington because i mean to to take down cleveland to to you know (laughs) slay that dragon you know well okay let's talk about that last series because you just brought it up it's going on right now on tnt uh the the bulls are leading by five and a half over the Cavs in cleveland right and since even I, th- I think just since last week, Kevin Love, he's out for the playoffs. Done. Right. He's done. Yeah. I mean, at the end of uh, the last Monday, we were talking about it, and it was like, we, you know, he was still hurt. You know, he was hurt, but they had finished their series. Looking for second opinions and mm-hmm. all of that crap. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then J.R. Smith is suspended for this game. Yeah. And the next one. And the next Two games. one. Right. So. Which, which is the two home games that Cleveland needs sort of needs to to get to get the series i mean you, you look at this you know you get jr smith back but you're going into chicago i mean so th- th- there's there's sort of an offset there too hmm. right i mean home court advantage is worth one and a half points on average in right. an nba game in a playoff game that's a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is that's right difference between a win and a loss so i mean does this mean that heat fans can name a mvp for the playoffs already and it's Ke- Ke- uh, kelly olnick <laughs> well, let, let's see how the series plays out, and when, yeah. we'll, we'll see if, the, if if that holds up. But it's yeah. it's a good front runner right now. <laughs> Not that we want anyone to get injured, but but you know, wow, man! I mean, he he knocked out Kevin Love for the playoffs, and and he got J.R. Smith into the fight that got him suspended. That's right. pretty wild. One guy, one guy, a lot of trouble. Well, but that's that, that's sort of sort of the issue when you have, when you're in that, in that playoff mode and and you know it's sort of a must-win sort of situation and you just it, all of a sudden the the emotions start start coming out and you end up doing things that are you know a little silly and and in his case you know he provoked the other team to to sort of fall apart a little bit there even even though they they end up ended up winning but you know losing two key pieces to your to your team i mean it, it's sort of one of those pyrrhic victories where you know you, you can win the battle but lose the war 
But is Kevin Love a key piece? You remember at the beginning of the season, you know, Kevin Love wasn't really a part of the team, and you know, all of a and sudden, and he still isn't all of a part sudden of the now, team. Yeah, all of a sudden now, oh, they're not going to go far without him now. Wait a minute, <laughs> before you act like, oh, we really don't need him. Now well, you need him all of a sudden. Well, I don't I, know. I think they always needed him. They, they they need him, but but again, I mean, he, he was sort of in the role that Chris Bosh was here in Miami, where mm, you know mm. he was ha- playing half of Bosh's role, and he's and he's not even half of the defender. Yeah, well, the Chris Bosh is. The, the the point being that that you know when when we had the big three here in Miami, you had LeBron and you had D Wade, who were both still playing their game. And it was Chris Bosh who was used to being a low post player in 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 Toronto or going to the rim, and he had to learn to be a perimeter player and sort of do, do the space out the floor so that so that you could get, you know, to the rim for for LeBron or, or D Wade. And Kevin Love needed to fill that role somewhat for Cleveland, and he sort of didn't want to do that. He, he wanted to to still do what he was do, do what he did, mm-hmm. and so now we we have that that situation where he's trying to uh, or, or or they have to figure out how to keep that that floor spacing so that LeBron can operate and do what he, and Kyrie can do what he needs to do to to get to the basket and and score. And that's why taking J.R. Smith out for those first two games is such a, a deal breaker for them because yeah, if anybody's going to space the floor, it's Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I will say this: looking at the at the stats here for, from this game, or or, or the, the just the, the score here, in the first quarter, Cleveland scored 15 points. Mm. Ooh, 15 ouch. points in the first quarter, Defense. but they outscored Chicago in the second quarter by seven. You know, so they're, 20, they're, they're, 29 they're, to 22. Sure, right? They're they're they're, they're making up ground, and, and you know, LeBron's coming alive in that game. But is it going to be enough in the end? You know, will will Chicago have an answer after halftime? Well, they they started Mike Miller, um, basically in place of Kevin Love. Uh, Mike Miller is a small forward, so that means that LeBron James is taking uh, Kevin Love's former position. But that's actually kind of what LeBron wanted to get out of. That's one of the reasons why he left Miami, Miami. I think, too. Was that the four? Yeah, he was playing at the four, and he had to, you know, grind and work. Yeah, he didn't want to do that. Hard work, grinding, (laughs) difficult. (laughs) Right. (laughs) People demanding that you play defense. On my back. Also difficult. Well, Um, right now, I mean, at at halftime, Kyrie has 17. LeBron only has 12 points and only three assists. Uh, You know, and... And then uh, Moscow is giving them like nothing right now. I mean, he's he's zero for two from the field. Well, I like to look at the plus minus numbers because I feel they tell a big story, and I think they tell us that Tristan Thompson is going to get a much more active role. They're going to start him in the four from now on. Mm. Um, just I'm looking. I mean, it's the first half. It doesn't tell you everything, but right. in the playoffs, you get seven games and you have to win four yeah. of them. So even one half is statistically important. Uh, Miller is minus 12. Like, in other words, the, he, they got outscored by 12 points with him on the floor. Tristan is plus 8. Right. That's that's okay. a big that, difference. That, that's a huge swing. I mean, that, that, we got to get Miller out of there. It's a 20-point swing right there. Right. The problem is who's there to back up, you know, Tristan, Tristan Thompson, right? Yeah. I mean, all they have is Brandon Hayward and Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> oh, another – more news on the NBA front. Uh, Oklahoma City let go of their longtime coach Scott Brooks. Yeah, yeah, and picked up got Mr. Donovan. Picked up University of Florida coach Billy Donovan. Yeah, 
Yep, apparently uh, he prefers Thunder Blue over Magic Blue, and I could see why when you see what they do on the floor that's and who they've got on the roster. Well, that's, that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you look at the rosters. I mean, where would yeah. you go? Orlando or Oklahoma City? I'm, I don't know, man. I've been to Oklahoma, and I can tell you I'd be in Orlando. <laughs> hey, he's well, going to save a lot of money. For, 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 for the city, for the city, sure. But for the for the lineup you have and the chance to be successful, I mean, that, that that's why that's why you had Steve Kerr going out to Golden State as opposed to as opposed uh, the to New York Knicks yeah. taking the Knicks job. I mean, the Knicks job, okay, New York. Who doesn't want to live in New York? But on the other hand, yeah. look at what you got to work with. And exactly. and you know, when you break into the NBA, whether as a coach or, or whatever, and you're given this roster, and it, you know, people don't look at oh well, he had a really a really bad collection of players here or or pieces that didn't fit together. Doesn't matter. He was a bad coach. You know, you, you don't win, you're a bad coach, and you get sort of tarred with that for, for the rest of your career. So, you know, for, for him, I think it makes it makes a lot of sense. Now, the question is, will he be successful in the NBA after, you know, he, he's, he's had obviously lots of success there at, at, at UF, but will he be successful on the next level there in the NBA? And, and how will he manage star players like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and, and so on, as opposed to college players? Yeah, it's going to be a big difference. I mean, if, if he had been there... When those guys were all younger, I think it would have been less of an issue. But now you have Kevin Durant going into his contract year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it's going to be a whole different dynamic for this team next year. Yeah. Um, Anybody know when uh, Westbrook is up for his contract? I think he's the year after. I think he's got two years left on on the current deal. But I'm not not sure. I'll have to check on that. But I I think he has two years left. Mm. Yeah. Big question. Uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, if he can come back from that foot injury. It's called a Jones fracture. And from what I read, 8% of Jones fracture patients suffer a rebreak, and he's one of those 8%. Right. It's it's mm. deeply concerning, you know. I mean, he's 7 feet tall, yeah, you know. Big guy. He is a big guy, even though he's not big. Massive. Right. Yeah, like mass, wide. Yeah. But he's tall. Yeah. He's tall. And, 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 a lot of pressure. Yeah, and 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 he's not that basketball player that becomes a tight end. No, 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 no. no, no. no, no, no. Well, and, and he also with the style of game. I mean, his his game is isn't as much driving to the hoop. He, he does do that, but he he's also shooting from from distance. So that that could be a saving grace too. That he's not trying to to go inside and bang so much as as um, as someone else would like LeBron James. Right. Well, I mean, that's again the big question: Is LeBron going to go in and bang? Is he going to bang for 15 minutes and if he wants and, another ring, right? <laughs> but I mean, like, like I mean, just yeah. The problem is, is that without Anderson Vergeau and without Kevin Love, I just feel like they lack the bodies. Yeah. Because the bodies they can turn to are Kendrick Perkins, who basically is the reason why Scott Brooks doesn't. <laughs> I, I was going to say how, <laughs> how long did it, how long do they keep Kendrick Perkins and what and could they get any anything for him that, that was that was no, worth K- no, KP KP is a, a cheap pickup he yeah, was cut yeah he was traded released they're paying minimum um, I mean look you know if Mozgov has to take a seat I don't see why Ken Perk can't put 10 minutes in there but yeah he could take up some space you know you know his well, best and, days are long behind yeah and, and one of the things too i mean he has six fouls like everybody else so it, if nothing else you can you can do the the greg popovich move and and play the the hack uh you know whoever that they're playing to to try to eat up some some fouls and, and some minutes see there. how that worked huh yeah well that's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah home. 
No, it's worked uh, for one game, maybe. Yeah. It, yeah, it worked for a very short time. Yeah, very short time. Won the battle. He definitely started. Lost he was that doing war. that. He started it in like second quarter, third quarter. It's annoying. Like, dude, what are you? It's doing? just mean. I didn't. I think. I think it's, it's one of the meanest things you can do. He's on a the very good coach, court. but I thought he was like, you know, I said this isn't going to do it for him. When I saw that, when I I was telling some other guys, some other job, when he started doing that, I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work because all he, all Doc was doing was taking him out of the game. Yeah, I think, I think mm-hmm. it was game from what game four. He started it like in the third quarter. He took him out of the game and they put Paul in the game. Paul was like nine for nine from the free throw line. <laughs> Ouch! You're hacking the best free throw shooter in the league. Right. You know. Okay. Why were they doing that? Why would you exactly. hack Paul? But well, you know, you can't help it because if he goes to the hole, you're going to touch him. You know, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They weren't doing it intentionally. They couldn't help it. You know, trying to block his shot. And and for what it's worth, I, I've got it pulled up here. Russell Westbrook is under contract for the next two seasons, so so he's he's there a little bit longer than than Durant. And you know, for Oklahoma City, one of the big things that they have to do is to convince Kevin Durant to to re up and 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 stay there. Otherwise, they're going to go back to sort of that that middling ground. Although, you know, if Kevin Durant leaves, I think that they have to seriously consider just rebuilding outright. Well, but, but even this season without Kevin Durant, I mean, Russell Westbrook carried that team and you know, they weren't a playoff team. Yeah. He carried them straight out of the playoffs. He had no help though. Yeah. He had, I mean, you know what? It was, it was tough for, because both of them were out Durant and Westbrook for the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. and they had a miserable record. And that's just. And they only missed it by they what? missed it. One yeah. game? Yeah, one, one, one or two yeah, games. One or two games. They games. missed the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Come on. But, I mean, but, then, right but then, I mean, you're facing Golden State. So, I mean, it, it's sort of like <laughs> the sacrificial lamb anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was for the thing with, with the Heat, too. I mean, do you want the do you want the seven seed? Do you want the eight seed? And you they wanted the eight, the seven seed pretty bad. But well, now we're like, okay, we'll take that 10 spot and hopefully get a pick. Get a pick. You know, and with or without the pick, I mean, it's just like, you know, he's been in the finals for the past four seasons so hey you know a little bit longer to rebuild Dwayne Wade's body or or anyone else's body for that for that matter you know if you're going to the playoffs without without a full strength D Wade and without a Chris Bosh and without you know uh, McRoberts or or anybody else it's like yes you know, yes yes the Miami Heat se- season was more like a you know it was like mash yes it was but this is only the second season in Dwayne Wade's career that he's missed the playoffs and yeah. we all know what happened in the three years after that well <laughs> and, and and this one was a was a lot better season at least than the last one he missed because the last one was like 15 win season and we're you know we're out of it by december you know i know i watched stefan lasmi and chris quinn dominate the floor dominate well on that note we're going to take a really short break and we'll be right back this is the only in miami show We were royalty. She even said it's staring in the face of poverty. Is that insanity or vanity? I think it's nothing but the power of the mind. Believe she put it in me. Because I live on my dreams. I get my fantasies wings. One day I'm gonna be king. I'm gonna make that woman so proud of the sun. I know you heard about change. It's gonna change come. One question. Will you be there? Will you be there? I'll be there with my hands held high in the air. Like a champion. Cause I demand the win. Don't, 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 don't,
never fold my cards. Focus my mind and don't take my eyes off the prize. Cause life is a pick of an eye. You're here, then you're gone off to the other side. My time is a gift and I use it. I spend every day making beautiful music. But you don't have to hold the tune. The serenade a room. Just to highlight like noon, even in the gloom. Darkest clouds never block the sun. Just rise above and you're already won. No obstacle can't be overcome. If you think that you can, then it's already done. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. And we're here with Darren Bentley, Brandon Mowry, talking Dolphins draft. The Dolphins draft. Can you, can you hear me? The Dolphins, mm, Dolphins drafting. Okay, so I'm going to go around the room. And I'm just going to ask you, Brandon, go first. What, what's your opinion overall of what the Dolphins managed to do this weekend? Well, I, I, I like some of the pickups that they made. Um, picking up uh, a good a good wide receiver. I mean, this is the year I, I think that we'll really, really know what Ryan Tannehill is made of. And you know, when we let some of these some of these players go, it was like you know. Where's he going to go to? What, what tools does he have? And, and picking up Devonte Parker, I think, is going to be a nice, uh, a, a nice, a nice addition. But you know, I'll also say this: you know, the draft is it, sort of like, you know, when we grade the draft and we go and look and, and see, it, it's sort of like saying, you know, by looking at a, at a car on the lot, oh, that's going to be a great car, and and you just don't know until you actually get it out of the showroom. Oh, that's true, but I mean, th- there is something to it. There is certainly is, uh, Darren. What do you think? What's that? I didn't hear the question. I was like, oh man! I mean, what's your overall opinion of the Dolphins draft? I mean, you just uh, Brandon had a good point, which is to look at the top and say, "Yeah, I mean, hey man, yeah, you can do that with any draft, like you just said, you know." But you like you don't know until you start, which is true, you know. But you know, I think you know on the on the surface, I think they did a good job. You know, I think they did a good job. Well, the, out of all the teams, I mean, based on on the analysis and 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 on you know what the other teams are doing they probably did the best that they that they could based on on where they were and the picks they had i mean i they're they're probably one of the top four or five teams in, in this year's draft as far as who they who they were able to pick up and and how they'll be able to help but yeah. you know it, it it still comes down to you know w- will it transit on the field and, and, and that's will the, the coaches put them in the position to play the right way that's a great question right there coaching yeah. staff will they use them the right way well, okay, so we drafted Devontae Parker. The Dolphins picked up a very tall, he's what, six foot three? Yeah, Something six foot like three, yeah. 209 pound. Uh, I mean, he's a guy in the mold of like, uh, I don't know if Larry Fitzgerald is a good, uh, you know, I don't think he's as dynamic as Fitzgerald, but he's got like a really big catch radius. I mean, he's six foot three. Yeah. 
Um, most cornerbacks in the NFL are about 5'10". Well, uh, yeah. So it, this guy should be a beast on the goal line alone. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that, that's one of the things, too. I mean, after losing some of, our, some of the cornerbacks, it, it's it's good to pick up, you know, a talent that, 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 that could make a difference immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, then the Dolphins traded down in the second round. Remember, we were talking about this last week. Yeah, and they picked up a couple of more players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was a great trade. Go for them, yeah. Well, they only traded down like five, four or five slots in the second round and wound up picking up Jordan Phillips, nose tackle, out of Oklahoma. You guys watch any tape or anything? i I, I got to be honest, no, I haven't. I haven't. No. You missed um, it? Yeah. Well, he's a big, big he's dude. He's a big guy. Yeah, what is he, what, 6'6", six, six, 300 and some pounds? Yeah, he's like 6'5", 330. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. They, the, 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 the scouting report is people question his football character, which is why he's in the second round instead of the first. Yeah, I saw that. But you can't teach 6'5", 330 that Cannot quickly. Cannot teach it. <laughs> well, that, that, that's true. And, and the thing of it is, when you look at that, when you look at that uh, defensive front, I mean, when you've got Indomitian Sue and you've got uh, Cameron Wake, you know, when you're an O-line trying to defend against that, I mean, you're going to have to devote some resources to, to stopping those two. So it could be a really big season for him because, you know, you only have five players on the O-line that, and you got to almost double up both Cam Wake and, and Indomitian Sioux. So you, you got sort of a one-on-one -on -one thing, and, and you can probably get, get, get some good stats this year and, 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 and help. So in the third round, the Dolphins had traded that pick away already previously. And in the fourth round, they finally selected uh, somebody to help at offensive guard. Do you, th do you guys think that was enough? Do you think the Dolphins should have drafted more offensive linemen in this draft? He's the only offensive lineman, um, but he projects out as a left guard. His name is Jamil Douglas. I think they'll be fine at offensive line. You know, just get these guys to plan cohesively. You know, the, the offensive lineman has been like pick and play, you know, and all all last year the injuries here and they were they were taking the center where they moved Pouncey to guard last year and you know mm -hmm. it's you know, you get these guys to be consistent to play the same position for at least four or five games. Let's let them get in the, you know, let them get in the groove and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it it, it comes down it, it comes down to, to consistency and, and, yeah. and knowing the guys you're playing with and, and that's the thing you go going back with, with the heat. I mean the first year it took a few games to, to get used to playing with these people i mean they're great talents right. but you got to get you got to figure out where everybody's going to be and, and that's the thing with with, with an o-line in particular you know you got to know where folks are going to be and how they're going to play and, and and how to work together to to seal off a defense okay I, I agree with you there i think it's all about cohesion but i mean you need personnel too um nate garner you know i think he's still on the roster but yeah <laughs> the the one drawback to this guy jamil douglas that I've read about, they say that he only plays on the left-hand side. Mm. And everybody else is interchangeable Right. that I've read. Everybody else is interchangeable on the line, but he'll be the only one that's not interchangeable. Well, but but can can that be developed over time? I right. mean, that's 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 where your coaching staff from, you know, comes in. Can they can can they make him a lot more um a lot more viable on the right side or or, you know, a, a lot more interchangeable. So the Dolphins picked up two extra picks in the uh, the fifth round because of the trade down. So we wound up with the 19th, uh, I'm sorry, the ninth, 13th, and 14th picks in the fifth round. Actually, and 20. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we, we had a lot of fifth round picks there, huh? Hey, get what you can get, man. Ah, hey, that's not bad. Russell Wilson was a what? Uh, I don't know. Fourth? Third rounder? 
Well, uh, you know, Tom Brady was a uh, second rounder. No, Tom Brady was not a second. Yeah, what was, was he? lower than that? He was yeah. lower than second. I thought he was a second rounder. So. Oh yeah, no, Tom Brady he, he was, was like, like a sixth like rounder. Or something. Four, Tom or Brady was a sixth rounder. Yeah. He was no, he was no higher than the fifth round. I thought he was second. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I read, I, I read, I was, I was watching the the broadcast, and they showed like a list of some of the guys that were like drafted in the fifth round and below, mm-hmm. and man, mm-hmm. there's some uh, uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown won my fantasy league for me last year. <laughs> Sherman. Sherman for the, for the Seahawks. Oh, sure. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. Yeah, he was drafted high. Yeah, uh, low, Brady low was low. drafted in the sixth round. Sixth round. Right. Wow. Round six. Wow. Yeah. How many Super Bowls? I think we all know yeah, too well. You know what I mean? No, too well. So then, so yeah, yeah, yeah wow. I didn't realize that there, the Dolphins you know. had five, fifth, or four fifth round picks. And nothing in the six or seven, I yeah, guess. Yeah, because we had to give up third that third rounder for steals, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, isn't it worth it? You yeah, know, you mean, have a, yeah, lot, you have a great so. idea with steals. Yeah, What's I like steals. I like that addition. Well, a lot yeah. of people don't, though. And, and you know, we uh, we signed, uh, the Dolphins signed Jennings, Greg Jen- Jennings. I like that addition, mm-hmm. too. A lot of people don't like that. So, well, now the Dolphins have four legit receivers. But who, Jennings, we, got, who we got behind them? Landry. Well, I mean, having four is, is mostly enough. You only carry, like, five or six on the roster. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, was that, you know, Devontae sort of fell into their laps. They didn't need to trade up to get, to go get him either. Yeah. So they were able to 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 save, you know, resources as well there they, and, and not trade away stuff to, to go get him. I mean, if he's what there, happened to Todd Gurley? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he snatched him up, huh? Who, who the Rams got him, right? Was it the Rams? Yeah, he was the 10th pick. Yeah, yeah. Now, so uh, the, another interesting pick for the Dolphins I mean, they, uh, I'm going to go over the guys that, you know, to me are less interesting, but, I mean, I'm sure they're important if they'll work out, which is Bobby McCain. He's a cornerback from Memphis, drafted with the ninth pick in the fifth round to the Dolphins. Dolphins drafted Cedric Thompson. He's a free safety from Minnesota. Uh, they picked him with the 14th pick in that round. And with the 20th pick, maybe we'll come back to Tony Lippett. He's very interesting. He started corner and wide receiver for Michigan State. So maybe mm-hmm. a depth pick on both sides of the ball, kind of interesting, yeah. right? Well, see, yeah, but corner safety, good picks, right? Yeah, good. But pickups. but to me, the most interesting pick is Jay Ajayi. You guys, no? I heard him talking about them earlier. Jay about Ajayi. Today. Yeah, he was the starting running back. Boise State for Boise State. Yeah, Boise State. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I mean, the they they rate him as a, a potential fifth round steal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he'll be a, a, a backup or a change of pace back to Lamar Miller, mm-hmm. which I mean, that's got a that that can't hurt, you know, at all. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> with running back, I mean, you, you can almost never have too much because yeah. they're they're always you know in the in the first line of 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 attack, and so they're they're always getting hurt. So it it, it never hurts to have a lot of depth. There we still have no Sean. Um, no Sean was on a one year deal. So they letting him go? They well, him it's go? not that they let him go. It's just he's a free agent. He's done. Okay. Yeah, he's a free agent. So they probably won't resign. Him. Well, he he might get signed back in for camp. You never know. I mean, he's a great player and all. Um, it's all about the health with no Sean. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's the health, and it's, it's probably somewhat to the uh, the the cap space and how much he's going to put put a hit on that cap space too. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't think he'll hit the cap space well, too much this year. Yeah, it'll be veteran minimum minimum probably if anything for, for him. Yeah, if uh, make good contract. You know, one of those men, um, veteran minimum right. with a, you know, oh, if you gain a thousand yards, you make right. a lot of money. Incentive, right. incentive laden. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins do have a cap problem this year, which is the uh, most dead cap space in the NFL because we just, you know, had to clear cut guys from the Ireland era. Yeah. Plus, they got to pay Tannehill now. Well, uh, uh, is that resolved yet? I don't think we've extended him or done that fifth year option. It's coming up soon, isn't it? It it, it isn't done yet, but they were talking that that it, it it needs to happen. You know, he has one more year left, I think, on this deal. Got it, got it. Let me see. Uh, you know, I'm going to find out because, <coughs> you know, it's it, it's a big issue. I mean, do you yeah. look? Do we get him locked up for the long term? I lock him up, man. right? Or if lock I mean, up. look, the worst case scenario if we don't put him under contract is he'll be our franchise tagged player next year. Yeah. You know, if if you can't come to a deal, he's still going to get the top money. Go ahead and lock him up. Why not? You know. Oh, it's much better. To who else you going to get? I mean, who well, else is out there? Yeah, that, 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 that's the question, and that's one, one thing with with the Redskins. You know, you they're um, giving a deal to RG three, and it's like you know, yeah, they extended him. Yeah, and and it's partly you know his his first season with with the Redskins was great, you know, and he had all these stats and and you know tons of athleticism, and then when he gets injured, he comes back and he's not quite the same. But then again, where do you go from there? You know who who, who are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Who, who are you going to pick up? And 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 so that that's partly the th- I think where the Dolphins are with Ryan Tannehill is, you know, you, you look around the league. I mean, who are you going to pick up? Tebow. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there, there isn't there isn't any upside to to, to to pulling in so, so, someone like that or or you know the, the leftovers from everybody else. Yeah, well, this is, this is very interesting because I'm reading in the Bleacher Report that Omar Kelly reported that the uh, deadline to do 2006's fifth-year option, the rookie contract option, was May 1st. So I don't mm-hmm. think they did the fifth-year extension. They're, that means they're trying they're to get sign him, a long-term deal done. Yeah, right. yeah. they're going to have to sign him. Mm-hmm. I don't see the problem with it, man. Sign him. I, I don't see a problem with it. Like I, I have this argument with our friends all the time. They would say, oh, Teddy Hills sucks and Teddy Hills garbage. Hey, he threw for over 4,000 yards last year. And he's been sacked over 160, well, almost 160 times in the last three seasons. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, for, for a quarterback <laughs> or, or or running back or you know, a whole bunch of positions on the team to be successful. Oh, wait, wait, okay, I see it here. They did exercise the fifth year option. My bad. Oh, they did. They okay. exercised the fifth year option on April 29th. I'm reading Andrew Abramson's report. Too bad he didn't get a chance to call in, but he's actually busy working on a breaking story. And uh, didn't get a chance to call into the show tonight. But we can talk about it because it's actually uh, one of the bigger stories of the draft, like the side stories of this year's NFL draft. And it's more a who was not drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gentleman's name is Lael Collins. And he is now an undrafted free agent. And he was projected to be a top 10 offensive guard pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, is an area of need for the Miami Dolphins. And he is meeting with the Baton Rouge, Louisiana Police Department as part of a murder oh, investigation. Oh, that's the guy, yeah. Say so he killed his mm-hmm. girlfriend, right? Right. That's what they allege. That's what they allege, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm neither. like, But that's crazy if he did it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, another I'm not Ruth. investigating him or anything Another Ray like Ruth mm-hmm. job here, huh? Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting situation. Um, I can tell you right now that there will be some breaking news from Andrew. So if you want to check him out on Twitter, that's where we usually catch up. He's at Abramson, Abramson PBP 
on Twitter. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's covering it right now. Uh, a little too busy to give us a call, but I'm certain if you're interested in this guy and this story, um, let's just say Andrew tweeted that he would be quite the steal. He's a top 10 talent starting left guard with Pro Bowl potential. But you would have to think somebody who's expecting to be a top 10 NFL draft pick and get quite a lot of guaranteed money uh, probably isn't doesn't have a lot of incentive to kill their girlfriend the weekend before the draft. You wouldn't think, but look at, once again, Ray Carruth. <laughs> That's true. Ray Carruth. He was paid already and killed it. Well, he didn't do it, but he had it done, you know. Come on, man. Well, there, there's a lot of a lot of that. I mean, you, you would think that um, that a lot of these players would would try to keep out of trouble if they're doing yeah, you various things. So. I mean, um, I wouldn't even jaywalk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you have a big payday coming and you're you're jeopardizing that, I mean, yeah, um, exactly. Johnny Football. I mean, all the trouble he's gotten into, and you know, not that he's necessarily doing a whole lot of stuff there for the Browns, but. You know, you would at least now, think that... Now, they're questioning him about the murder murder of his ex-girlfriend and her unborn baby, not his right, girlfriend right, at the time. Right, right, um, And then I'm reading this report from, from Andrew, uh, and it says that police say he's not believed to be a suspect. Oh, that's what they always say in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah, he's a person of interest. Person of interest, yes. Person of interest, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, they say it, he, if he had been drafted ninth by the Giants, he would have signed a four-year deal worth about $13 million. <laughs> and as an undrafted rookie, he can earn up to $1.6 million total over the next three years. Teams are spending uh, limited to an $88,000 signing bonus um, for all of their undrafted rookies. And nobody took a flyer because his agent said he wouldn't sign a contract if he was drafted later than the third round. Mm. That, and, make, that, that makes an awful lot of sense, you know, to to give up that kind of that kind of money just because you're drafted too late yeah well the the other thing is is that uh when you're drafted past the third round uh i'm sorry when you're drafted um basically he would have had to be locked into a, a rookie pay rate for four years as a draftee mm, okay. instead of three years as an undrafted player as a third rounder yeah or okay. a fourth rounder third or whatever anything so he below three okay Right, so he can get a big contract in his fourth year, right? Which is the only upside if there's anyone, because if right. you notice with the the first round picks that you know everybody has a a four year deal and a fifth year option, yeah. something like After that. After Sam Bradford, well, <laughs> and, and this uh, I was going to say this is this was the um, this is the deal. Yes, the with, Sam Bradford rule. <laughs> yes, this is the deal with with Andrew Luck and whether they thought that he would come out. Uh, from Stanford a year early because the new rules would go into effect, you know, the following season, and so he could make a lot more money if, if he if he left that last year of eligibility there at Stanford, and you know he, he decided to stay in school and 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 keep playing there, and and then obviously got picked up by Indianapolis, who, who by the way, when you talk about drafting quarterbacks, how lucky has Indianapolis gotten between Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and yeah. it's just yes, unbelievable yes. Their, their draft luck. Yeah. Have you guys watched the 30 for 30 on, Mar on the class of 83? Yes, I have watched that 30 for 30. <laughs> how Elway Yeah, said. all on about Elway. Elway. How, how Elway did not want to play for I'm the Colts. I'm not playing for those guys, yeah. But, man, <laughs> if he had played for the Colts, they oh, would have gone man. from Elway yeah, to, Peyton, to Peyton to Luck. And to Luck, yeah. Wow. That would have been something, huh? Instead, ironically, they went from Elway to lots of nobody to Peyton. <laughs> yeah, to Peyton, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those yeah. those Bronco fans are extremely lucky. Yeah, exactly. Lucky as it gets. Exactly. And it's because 
Elway brought Peyton. Yeah. So. It, well, yeah. let's let, let's see now how effective he's going to be. I mean, Peyton's not getting any younger. So, you know, it, it, it's a big name and it's fun to go watch. But It's coming to the end. But but the the decline is, is going to be coming, you know, quickly. And, oh, it's here. And, 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 <laughs> and you know, how effective he's going to be this season. Yeah, the window is closing. Yeah. Now, I mean, when it comes to, to this guy, Leo, um, it's very interesting because there's several former LSU players on the, the Miami Dolphins roster. And... And basically, they want him to come here. He actually visited the Dolphins, um, probably as part of the draft prep. And, you know, it's just like uh, there's there's a lot of ties to South Florida. There's also no income tax here, which obviously is a, a factor. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you are, are going to, you know, if you're going to go play for a lot less money, um, you definitely want, you know, every dollar to count. And, and that's so. And Mike Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum worked at the agency that represents this guy. So we need another Christmas present from Mike Tannenbaum. <laughs> Sounds like a good fit. Here we go. Uh, this could be a great fit. Oh boy. I'm asking for a present. I'm asking for a present from Mike Tannenbaum. <laughs> so wow. we'll see only, how that works only out. Only time in will tell. Only in Miami. That's only right. in Miami, only in Miami. Miami. Or, or, or Tampa Bay or Jacksonville. But, you know, I mean. You heard about what they said about James's contract? Oh, what about it? He has a no baseball clause. Interesting. Tampa Bay wants him to play no baseball. They're smart. Yeah, yeah that, that that's really smart. Because he's a pitcher, right? What is he a pitcher? Yeah, yeah, he is yeah, a pitcher. So I guess that's yeah, arm. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you can throw a football and you right. can throw a baseball too. No I guess. baseball. They don't want to play any baseball. No okay. professional baseball. So, so what's your last thoughts? Because we've got a couple minutes left. What's your take on Jameis Winston's now famous picture, <laughs> dining on crab legs hey. after? Hey, you like what you like, man. You like crabs. You like crabs. Hey, hey, you like what you like. Well, and and uh, I actually read a, a post. I forget what where it was, but uh, it was talking about how all the Tampa area publics are not putting in uh, detectors to, to to look out for Jameis in, in, in the crab like, seafood oh, department. Silly. <laughs> well, he signed a contract already. He can afford them. Yeah, now. he can afford them yeah, exactly. You, you, you he would can, think he could pay for a bushel of them. Yeah. Oh, I love crab myself. Yeah. We had some stone crab this weekend. Good stuff. Great stuff. Well, man. he can, he can, he can buy it for the whole team now. Yes, he can. <laughs> well, you know, I think we're all going to have to cheer for the Bucks if they uh, do well. <laughs> but that's about all the time we have for this week. We'll be back next Monday night, seven to nine p.m. This is the only in Miami show. <laughs>